Hello and welcome to Signals from the Hill. I'm Kat and I do marketing for Avery Hill Publishing. In this episode, I'm going to be talking to Lord Herc, whose book Jinx Freeze came out with Avery Hill in September last year, September 2021. Jinx Freeze is just one of many amazing books that Avery Hill put out last year. Head over to our website, averyhillpublishing.com for more information. Our books can be found in all good book and comic shops and digital editions are available from our Gumroad store. And now onto my chat with Herc. I'm here with Lord Herc, whose book Jinx Freeze came out with uh, Avery Hill in the autumn, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, so what what do you, creators tend to kind of hate this question, but how do you describe the book to people when they ask you what it's about? Um, yeah, it's kind of like a, in essence, it's, it's sort of like a crime, sort of a surreal crime caper. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's told through a series of sort of like vignettes, like separate, as if they're separate stories, but it is all one sort of long narrative. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's kind of, it is a bit of a hard one to describe, but it is, yeah, I suppose it's sort of like a surreal crime story, to yeah. be honest. I remember reading or hearing you talk about the book somewhere else where you said that it came about from some sort of little scrapbook bits and pieces and you just decided to stitch them all together into a sort of single narrative is that right yeah I mean it, it's weird how it I'm, I'm quite pleased how it like I'm really pleased how it came out and it's weird how it did kind of work because it did yeah it was just a bunch of I haven't I don't so much anymore but at the time I was just starting you know when you like just go I'm going to do a comic and then you just start a story with that much thought when you do the title page <laughs> you, you know yeah. a few panels and I had about I don't know 20 or so just one pages of that mm-hmm. so and I also had a story that was published in a it was in an anthology I did it for an anthology and it was like four pages and that's the shit plank story mm-hmm. so I kind of I kind of gathered them all together and I used that in the book as his like introduction to that character but yeah so it was it started off as just a bunch of stuff that I wanted to do something with mm-hmm. and ended up sort of I don't know it just sort of I assembled it and then it just started sort of coming together somehow but yeah that's that's a really interesting way to sort of create a story I was thinking that potentially if you tried to create something that was so that had so much different stuff in it it would be hard to do that kind of starting from scratch but the fact that you had these lots of little elements that you were trying to kind of tie together um, might have helped it be because it's you kind of have to read it to see what it's like it's crazy it's got so many different characters so many different kind of storylines and um, yeah it I'm just fascinated that you that you managed to tie everything together in such a, a brilliant way. Um, so that one character was your sort of way into the story. That ship plank character was your kind of starting point, was it? It was the starting point as in in that story, there's like a the setting of that story is like a generic, it's called just called the Riviera. And I quite mm-hmm. like that because it doesn't Although people say my work is like really kind of English or British mm-hmm. theme, I, I didn't want it to go like this is England or whatever, this yeah. is Britain <laughs> yeah. or America or whatever. I just wanted it like a nondescript place. So like the Riviera doesn't, 
necessarily mean like you know mm. France or anything it could be anywhere just yeah. near so yeah, it's a nice I mean, it's it's kind of evocative but vague like it could be yeah it's very yeah it's quite bland I mean it's not an interesting <laughs> name but I didn't want to have anything too mm. you know cool well, sounding so it was just yeah. that was the starting point as far as the setting of the whole mm-hmm. book because um, it's so it's so eclectic it kind of feels like at the same time it feels retro and it also feels really contemporary and like you say it feels there's some very English stuff in it but there's also you know references from all over the place um, which is something that's really fun about it um, and like you say you've got you've got palm trees and all sorts so you're, you're never quite sure kind of like where this place is um yeah. <clears throat> I saw a reviewer describe it as the Herc verse on one of the reviews that went up recently yeah. which was quite cool <laughs> yeah I saw that I really like that review actually yeah, it was brilliant it was yeah. But yeah um <clears throat> but yeah I suppose it's got it, you think it might be somewhere in England but then you got like you say palm trees and it doesn't really look like it. I just kind of like that sort of um, blurred sort of setting. You don't quite know where it is or when it is. It's in the future. Well, that's what makes it so fun to read because I don't know if you sort of intentionally you want the reader to feel off balance, but that's kind of how it feels to read it in that just everything... I don't know they're very short little um installments each section and then each subsequent one is sort of completely different um up to a point and then it all sort of starts to come together but there's all sorts of little visual things that that kind of create this sense of I don't know I think maybe off balance is how how is the best way to describe it but like even visually you've got crazy angles and you've got kind of like like drop shadows that go in one direction and then in a different direction and within the same little bit of the page and stuff. So you're constantly feeling kind of, yeah, it's just a really unique reading experience. Is it, is that an effect you're kind of trying to create to keep the reader kind of on their toes? Um, yeah, I just think I, I just tried to put, um, I, it was sort of, I was just like exercising all the ideas that I wanted to, I just wanted to put, <laughs> everything that I wanted to do into yeah. it and it is really random because of the way it started off with different little pieces mm. I think that's why it's so like eclectic and random in places and there's so many different characters mm-hmm. but like I say it's weird because it did all kind of end up connecting but yeah I just wanted to have basically I just wanted to have fun and just yeah do whatever you know and just put it all into it and at the end have a book that I'll go, yeah, I am really pleased with that. That's what I wanted to do. And that's well, I, what... Yeah, that's what I think that definitely comes across. It is an incredibly fun book to read. Uh, <laughs> and also, oh. like, even though it's got this craziness to it, um, there's so many clever moments where it's clear you've, you've really, really thought about it. Like, there's one point where you kind of have this page that, tells people that provides a sort of summary and tells people like in the next bit this is what's going to happen to kind of you know it's it's almost like at the perfect moment when you're reading it and you're not sure how on earth it's all going to come together you've just put this page that literally says don't worry this is how it's going to come that, together that's like, yeah that's Crash Bell Anderson's narrative update page yeah yeah and that was in the right place there it was 
it was for me yeah definitely I just it made me laugh because of that very reason because I was like how on earth earth is this going to come together and then I turned the page and uh, there was that yeah it's brilliant I found it really fun to read I I tend to I'm someone that struggles reading short stories in that I can I tend to find them a bit unsatisfying and I quite enjoy um I, I enjoy really long books often but this was this was kind of a revelation to me because each little section was really very short but it just added uh, it just added together into this kind of whole that was that was brilliant I don't know how to describe it does that make sense yeah 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 that's that's kind of yeah I'm glad that it kind of works yeah and I mean as I was saying it's it's a really fun read and you said you you kind of wanted to have fun with it was it a fun book to make or were there points where you were sort of tearing your hair out I imagine there has to be like trying to stitch together all the little elements must have been quite hard work Um, in a way I don't know it's weird no it's weird because usually it would be yeah (laughs) yeah yeah, this is doing my head in but it just kind of I don't know it just all kind of tumbled out and fitted together without me kind of doing anything I don't know it just happen I don't know but yeah so so yeah I it, there was no stress the whole time I did the book That's and great. like maybe yeah it just yeah it was all right and was it was that the longest book you'd ever made um it's, it's about the same I did one I've done one my first graphic novel was about the same length ready for pop it oh. was about the same length but this was, that was just a black and white one. So there was more work involved in this. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, story-wise, the length of it was about the same as what I've done before. Mm-hmm. Um, so you were part of, was it a collective, the Fancy Butcher Press that I've read about? Yeah. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, that's that's like me and Kevin Ward, um, Tanya Meditsky and Tobias Tack, who's oh, not with me, and it's his birthday today actually. So everyone, I always encourage people to try and look up his work because he's like, he's yeah. an amazing artist. And like, if you see like Gaboon's Daymare or and just look him up, yeah, check out his work, <laughs> continue to um, read his stuff because he was um, he was just brilliant, amazing yeah. artist. He w- I edited the yeah. the tiny pencil zine and he had some work in that. Um, he did, that's, yeah, how I I, that's how I came across him. Yeah, that's that's a good book. That was good um, anthology. Yeah, yeah, um, it was a, a huge amount of work. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So as a group, you you put out things that you collaborated on, or was it more that you published them as a sort of collective? Um. It started off with just me and Kevin, and we we did a thing called Static Revolta that was just, I think we only did about three copies of it, but we used to screen print the covers and everything. And so we'd both like collaborate and then have stories, our own sort of serialized stories in it. And then all four of us just used to, it was more of a thing, we'd produce our own stuff, but we'd just hang out together and. I always found, or maybe all of us always um, found it quite hard sitting at a table at a a convention, I still do. Not, just don't enjoy it that much. Feel quite uncomfortable and anyway, so we just used to sit there and and it used to be, it used to be right when it was 
all four of us just sitting there passing the time and drawing and yeah yeah that's, that's true that is that's a real plus to, to it not being just yeah. just you definitely <laughs> and did you did you get your so you sold your your comics at events and things did you also get them into shops and things at that time yeah at that time um yeah like probably just in in london in gosh and mm. you know all when that was around yeah. but yeah just it was probably just fairs and the london shops really mm. but i mean i never knew you know i didn't even realize there was a small press scene until i was like in my mid no late 20s and i'd always made comics but um just didn't know it existed and i'd go into comic shops and and buy comics but i didn't know there was like a secret section where there's people who made their own comics so, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I kind of, in, I don't know, probably around 2000, I, I started getting back into drawing comics again and I actually printed quite a few up and it was sort of like a hip hop themed, just sort of comic. And then someone who knew my friend Ozzy from, yeah, just from like the UK hip hop scene sort of thing. He said, oh, he worked in Gosh at the time and said, you should right. bring it in. And then I went to Gosh and discovered, oh, like there's all these other like, small press comics which is weird because if I was like 15 or something now I would just know all about it because of the internet and I'd just that, know yeah. and be publishing work you know yeah. self-publishing stuff straight away yeah that's the thing um I think I found out about a lot of stuff that was going on online I remember reading somewhere someone referred to like UK small press scene and I remember messaging that person going, what, what is that exactly? <laughs> and I didn't get a reply. And I was like, oh, it sounds really good. <laughs> but then I think what happened was that I, I started self-publishing little art books and zines and things. And I booked myself into a, an event that was at Goldsmiths College. Um, and once I was there, that suddenly it all opened up because I met so many people there. And then I realized, oh, these people go to these events all the time, kind of around the city and... Yeah, yeah, and there's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, and then you see the same people again and again. and yeah. yeah. But it's been a bit weird, obviously, the last few years because it's all sort of gone. And it's come, coming back now. But Yeah. So what, what was the last kind of live event that you went to? Um, I think it was the South London Zine Fair. Oh, right. In, where is that? Norwood. Yes. Yeah, which was... How long ago was that? It's probably ages ago, like five years ago, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, they're, doing, they're, doing, they're, they're doing one this year, this summer, I think, because uh, in the same place. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, that was the last thing I went to. I sat next to Paul Lashy Brown, who's mm -hmm. I really like his stuff. He's a really nice guy. Yeah. But yeah, I was on my own, sat next to him. But yeah, that was the last thing I went to. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm thinking about maybe starting to try and go back and do things again like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are you going to Are you going to the lakes? I'm not. I I went to Thought Bubble last year. That was my first uh, okay. thing that I'd been back to, yeah. and it was it was really well run in terms of the you know the COVID precautions and stuff. Pretty much everyone wore a mask the whole time, um, and yeah, it it seemed fine I didn't really 
it was a bit sad to be to travel all that way and be around all the people I, I then didn't go to any of the drinks or meals or anything in the evenings because I was just like well if I'm going to get COVID that would be when it would happen yeah. um, so I just stuck to sitting by my table with a mask on which was kind of a bit sad but you're still able to catch up with people like fleetingly yeah. here and there and then this I think the smaller events always feel a bit more relaxed don't they like the South London scene fair yeah less a bit less stressful less people and less yeah yeah that was quite yeah that was quite a laid-back one um yeah I suppose like yeah Phil Bubble is a bit more is a bit more mad as was Elkaf used to be really hectic yes yeah yeah I did a, a few of those it's just such a at one point it became I think Friday, Saturday and Sunday and then that's a long time to, to commit to being yeah. behind your table. Did you exhibit at, at LCAF as well? Um, yeah, I think we, with Fancy Butcher we did like the first few, maybe first two mm -hmm. um, or maybe it was the second two, I don't know. I think we've been there like two or three times but there, yeah, there came a point where I was just like, um, I don't think I'm going to go to anything anymore for a while. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I haven't been for ages. Yeah. I think often cartoonists are, are not of the, that temperament where <laughs> like, talking to people for eight hours a day is kind of your something you feel happy doing. I'm always yeah, completely yeah, exhausted. Some people, <laughs> some people are really good at it, but yeah, yeah not. Um, so to get back to your your book, um, is it all um, traditional media the way that you create the artwork? Or um, yeah, there's digital. I, I draw it all with ink mm -hmm. on paper and then scan it in and colour it. Mm -hmm. So and some and add sort of like little um, sort of zipper tone stuff and yeah, but pretty much it's yeah. The main part is just traditional. I really love your colouring, by the way. I really rate your colouring. It's really oh, lovely. Thank you. <laughs> the light and everything and the shadows, it's really nice. Oh, thank you. I'm starting work on a new project where um, it's going to be colour again because the last one was black and white. And, um, yeah, I'm remembering how much extra work it is <laughs> to work in colour. You do your colouring. When you work in colour, do you do that digitally? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So my first book was drawn on paper with pencil and then coloured in Photoshop. Um, yeah, yeah. And then the second one was 100% digital, but I still I still like it to not look like it's digital. So I use all the pencil-y tools and things. Yeah. Um, but I really like that look with the, when you scan pencils and then just sort of drop colour over the top, transparent yeah. colour over it's really nice yeah because I think the pencil gives it enough texture the problem with digital color is it can be quite flat depending on how you do it yeah. um or depending what the style is so I I do think it's not a nice a mixture is nice of a little bit of where some of it's traditional and some of it's not yeah and another thing I'm always interested in is how much visually stuff on the page sort of um just happens as you're working on the page and how much is sort of intended when you start work on the page what what what's your process like that do you have a, an idea of what it's going to look like or do, does things just sort of happen um yeah I like to have a bit of a I don't like it to be too preconceived so that it's still a bit 
you can still change things and it's more fun to draw that way. So I kind of, I do like sometimes just a grid layout. Like I work a lot on the composition of the, of the grids or the angled like panels and everything. So sometimes it will just be that and the dialogue maybe, or sometimes it will be like rough thumbnails, but I don't, I don't sort of pencil Everything I draw, I don't really like rough it out mm -hmm. before. It's just, I draw it as I do it and just plan the composition mm -hmm. part. I think most of the kind of fun stuff comes when you just get an idea as you're physically drawing and you think, oh, it would be cool if, if something happened here or whatever. Um, mm. What made you include the sort of the, the storyline or the, the aspects where there's a, a sort of dream storyline happening? with the, the fighter character? Um, well, on, on this book, that is some of that, basically on, on this book I was, I used a lot in the dialogue that was just from my sketchbooks, stuff that I'd written down. Mm -hmm. And some of the things that I'd written down were dreams. Like I'd sometimes oh, if I had a really vivid dream, I would write it down. Brilliant. And I will say that not all the dreams in the book are my dreams. Right. <laughs> yeah, to be clear. But some of the dreams like I did have, and I just thought that's a weird like little story. And yeah, so like there's say the story, the dream about where he's having his head. Um, no, what is it? He's having his head removed or something. And he's, he's having a dream that his head's been removed and he can pluck the hairs from his ears or something like that. <laughs> No, I did have a dream like that. So some of them, like, yeah, some of them are, are my dreams that I wrote down, and others are just not. But I did kind of when I was a kid, I did always, I did have a lot of. There's lots of bits in it, like I think is it Macropsia? There's a page where you get the sensation sometimes when you're like half asleep, half awake, where your sort of fingers feel like massive sausages or something they feel really <laughs> like and I used to get that a lot when I was a kid and also yeah I don't know I seem to have I seem to have experienced a lot of sort of like sleep disorder type things mm -hmm. so a lot of that I don't know it all kind of fed into that character and yeah. the dream and different stuff to do with that character that's really interesting because I, I really enjoyed that aspect of it um I like stuff like like Alice in Wonderland where there's a lot of that feeling of kind of dream logic where where you know one character will just suddenly change into another character or the setting suddenly shifts and you're kind of because in my dreams that's what happens all the time it's like one minute I'm in an airport and the next minute it's a hospital and the next minute it's um, that stuff I, I really love and it yeah I love that that surreal kind of atmosphere where that kind of shifting is happening and I guess someone like David Lynch, he's always the person that people talk about when they, they talk about stuff that's kind of weird and, and surreal. Mm. But um, I love that sense of like, it's, it's, it's just like our world, but it's just slightly off. And there's just these little oddities um, that kind of make you realize you're dreaming sometimes. Yeah. I've, one thing I've got in my notes is just the, the phrase beautifully drawn biscuits because there's a page where you've drawn some biscuits and they're absolutely kind of like 
beautifully realistically rendered biscuits <laughs> I really love that little scene <laughs> I think someone's using them as a, as to demonstrate something and holding them up and saying yeah the Garibaldi yeah yeah that's yeah that's the doctor and she yeah the professor and she's sort of demonstrating using the biscuits as a way of telling him how he was a cyborg and not a yes. robot oh, yeah, that's I don't know. it's weird though because in my previous book there is afterwards I realised there's another page in that that has got quite detailed drawing of biscuits <laughs> in that so I don't know sort of subconscious theme <laughs> yeah I, it's just it's just such a, a fun read because you're never quite sure what on earth is going to come next um what do you think uh, some of your sort of inf creative influences um, in terms of maybe the humour and the, the surrealism and the tone of it? Um, oh, I really don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know, really. Oh, this is a hard, this... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a hard one. I always don't know. I mean, I definitely, you know, I suppose I kind of grew up on like going from like reading Mad magazine to reading um, underground, old underground comics and stuff like that uh, to reading, I suppose, like Eight Ball and things like that. Mm. So, yeah, they've got to be uh, an influence, I suppose, but consciously, I, I don't know. Mm. I'm trying to sort of like think really like other people yeah I, I don't know I don't know I think it can be great to to be exposed to stuff like that when you're quite young because it makes you kind of see that the possibilities of of you know what you could make um I had a teacher at school who had us read lots of really obscure stuff when we were quite small like like Kafka and things but just little snippets of it and I think it really implants this idea in your head of, oh, if I, if I want to write a story, it could be literally anything. It doesn't have to be like, you know, the usual kind of structures, the usual kind of storyline. Yeah. Um, it made me think a little bit of Michael Cooperman. I don't know if you know his work. Uh, yeah, I really like his stuff, actually. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I was designed to thrizzle. Yeah. Yeah, I do really like him, actually. Yeah, I haven't read any for a while. Um, but I, I, I find that really, really, really funny. <laughs> and it's similar in, in just that it's really beautifully kind of designed as well. Lots of the, the lettering and the sort of page designs and things. Um, do you think there are any particular visual influences? I mean, I got, there's just so much in your work. It's probably drawn from all over the place, but um, yeah, I got like 60s, 60s graphic design a little bit in places. I don't know if that's something that you would say. Yeah, yeah, I would, yeah, I definitely like sort of, I kind of always been into sort of like graphics and graphic design and I suppose like that mid-century sort of 50s and 60s type mm. design is, yeah, I really like that. Um, graffiti, I suppose, early on sort of influence um yeah just yeah I mean I am in, definitely like interested in the sort of graphic design side of, of, mm. of comic definitely. it's 
it's such a beautifully designed book the cover and the the inside covers and the end papers and everything it's just gorgeous to look at um yeah no i really like really you know thanks to avery hill to like produce that book that is exactly like it's, i was yeah i was so pleased with it because it's exactly not just the content but the whole the way it's printed and the paper and everything it's really exactly how i imagined it so i was really happy with it. that's great it's such a it's such a scary thing to feel like you're responsible for someone's the realization of someone's project that they've been lovingly crafting for however long um, so yeah I, I know Avery Hill really tried to um you know use nice paper and you know make the books just look as nice as possible um so a, apart from Mads did you read a lot of comics growing up or um yeah I kind of I did read like the regular sort of like Beano and Whoopi and Nutty and Dandy and all those things. Yeah. Uh, the odd, I was never, I read the odd 2000 AD, but I was never really, was never really into that. And then like a, my dad's cousin gave me like a, a, donated me like a carrier bag full of comics once and it was all 60s like Marvel and yeah, it was basically all Marvel superhero comics. So I went through a little phase of like loving them. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, and then probably after that, it was probably mad and then other stuff from there. And at, at what point did you start making them yourself? Back then, like, yeah, I would, I would try and do sort of, yeah, I, when I was reading the Beano, I was probably trying to draw Beano type stories I definitely remember doing that mm -hmm. and then I probably always did that um but just you know drew them in some school exercise book and yeah threw them away at some point <laughs> um yeah I was doing like especially when you're in like your teens and that I definitely remember trying to draw like really trying to draw like Robert Crumb mm. <laughs> and or <laughs> like Gilbert Shelton or someone and it was really they were really terrible comics and I destroyed them years ago <laughs> uh, and then after that I would occasionally try and you know have my own make my own sort of way uh, visually mm. and I did some bits and pieces but like I say it was just sort of for fun and I didn't realize you could make your own comics and try and sell them at the time yeah, I feel like Maybe I, actually. <laughs> I think I had a, a big gap between I would read the Beano and stuff as a little kid and then I had a big gap where I didn't really read comics until I was a teenager and someone lent me some really interesting kind of, you know, alternative comics from America and stuff. And I remember really loving them, but I couldn't. I was always drawing, but a drawing would take me such a long time I would look at these comics and think how does anyone ever make these because I couldn't get my head around how how you could draw fast enough to make, to make a whole book like that and that kind of put me off I think trying to make them for quite a long time um until but it does take I don't know maybe it takes a long time to draw for everyone I don't know it must be surely it seems like I don't know if I know anyone who draws like 
super fast no I mean I've I've seen people sort of do a drawing in the front of a book at a convention when someone's going to buy it and they just seem to knock that out really quickly and I'm always kind of amazed um yeah <laughs> and are you are you working on any, a new project at the moment um I've got kind of like I've got another book that I started before Jinx Freeze which is kind of again it's another like surreal sort of crime story mm -hmm. uh but it's silent there's it's all sort of graphics oh, wow. like iconography instead of text so it's similar because it's another crime thing, but it's different because it hasn't got any text and you have to read it a different way. So I've got about 40 pages done of that. And I think it's going to be a shorter book, like maybe 80 pages. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of should be working on that, but just going for a bit of a block at the moment. So I'm doing other things, just messing around, painting and mm -hmm. doing other things until... I can get on a roll and start on that again. I think I've seen some paintings come up on your social media. <laughs> yeah, they're not very good. <laughs> they're they're just, just, they look really yeah. good. Um, what, what's behind the idea of doing the story without words? Um, I don't know. I did, I did something before that was like silent and I just wanted to do something that was really abstract. Uh, and just, yeah, it was different. But there was a book, there's a guy, Bob Byrne, um, and he did a book called Mr. Ampajik. I think he self-published it. It was ages ago and it used the same thing. It was just, it was just iconography and you just had to kind of read it, mm. read the symbols. And I thought, oh, that is like really, really amazing. I really like that. So, always kind of with his blessing <laughs> I wanted to do the same kind of thing you'd see if I could but it's it's very hard to like it's hard to tell a story a really in-depth story using that method so mm. it is more it's a bit more my story anyway it's, it's quite basic and it's yeah. just more about probably a bit more about the visuals in this one well it sounds brilliant I look forward to seeing it um, yeah. So where where can people find you online if they want to look up your work? Um, Lordherk.com and the site Lordherk on Twitter and Instagram at the moment. I don't know if I carry on with Instagram. I don't know. It seems like, uh, for me, a bit of a waste of time, but yeah. at the moment it's there. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. It's kind of it's kind of frustrating when you post stuff and it doesn't seem to get anyone looking at it but so far there's not really a an amazing alternative so yeah. um i'll make sure those links are included with the episode and stuff so people can find you easily um and thank you very much for talking to me okay thank you thanks for talking to me say um actually i have to say um Congratulations to Steve as well for his uh, Hall of Fame, Broken Frontier Hall of Fame. Yeah, that was brilliant. Definitely. He's always been um, really supportive of my work and everyone's really. So yeah, definitely. Well done, Steve. Yeah, I'll, I'll pass on your, your congratulations yeah. to you. <laughs>
Thanks again to Herc for talking to me and thank you for listening.